So it's Halloween, and if you're a parent, you might be dreading the negotiating of candy allowances for the next few weeks or even months. So do you want to know how to kick some sugar out of your diet and create more delicious and health-supportive meals for your family? Today we are speaking with Shirley Plant from Ottawa, Canada, food editor for General Store Publishing House, and the author of Finally, Food I Can Eat, a dietary guide and cookbook for people featuring tasty vegetarian and non-vegetarian recipes for people affected by food allergies and intolerances. Shirley Plant has learned through her personal experience how hard it is to change your life for the better. Diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and multiple food and environmental allergies 25 years ago, Shirley has transformed much of her health challenges through changes in the way she eats and now shares that with families and people throughout Canada and the world. Shirley, welcome to Health Currents Radio. Thank you so much. Well, let's start with that inevitable addiction to sugar and sweets. We know children, they love it, but they also need that sweet flavor in their food and their eating. And I, I would love for you to just talk to parents about how to nurture the shift from sugar to sweet whole foods. You're right. It's it's sort of epidemic, really. And, you know, I see so many parents in my practice and Sometimes I'm lucky and a parent will come and say, you know, my child loves vegetables, they love fruit, and so it's much easier for them to transition because, as we know, so many prepackaged foods are full of refined sugar, and so we're used to, and our children are used to that that chemically sweet taste and if all of a sudden you just start giving them fruit that's a very different sweet taste which ultimately we want for them but as you said it can be it can be difficult in the beginning if your children are not used to that and you know you can't really do it overnight so what i say to parents is if you can slowly start to lessen the amount of refined sugar that you're using. So really I say to them, start looking at what you're buying at the grocery store. Do one, do you buy a lot of prepackaged foods? And if so, do you know how much sugar is in them? If you're um, a family that likes to make your own recipes and treats, again, how much of the white sugar are you using? If the recipe calls for a cup of white sugar, are you using a cup of white sugar? Because certainly what I found when I transitioned, and I did it very slowly, I just simply started to use less and less of the white and the brown sugars. I started to incorporate um, fruits to sweeten, applesauce, apple butter, dates, bananas, they're all really sweet. And if you slowly start to diminish the white refined, the, you know, the corn syrups, and slowly start to put in more applesauce, more apple butter, more fruit into things, your child's taste buds will change. So here's a question. Yeah. So it sounds like first thing we want to do is um, learn how much sugar is in something. What would you say if someone's buying like even an organic cereal or an organic cookie, what would be an acceptable 
amount of grams per serving? Is it four? Is it six? Is it 12? Like well, that's, you know, and again, that's, that's sort of difficult to say because one child, you know, I would say I want it as low as possible. I, I, you know, I want you to start buying healthy puffed cereals that have no added sugar. And then you start adding your own. Maybe you put a little bit of stevia or you, you know, you do put a little bit of brown sugar, but you control it Mm. as opposed to bringing home those packaged cereals. Because again, you know, does a child have depending on how old your children are, they're having a cup of that cereal and then they come home for a snack and they're having another cup and another cup. So if we can start by reducing that, buying the, you know, the puffed rice, the puffed buckwheat, the, you know, the healthier um, cereals, because as you say, even the organic ones are full of cane sugar. I mean, that's how a lot of the gluten-free cereals and other cereals that's how they make them palatable is they add so much of quote the healthy sugar so right so we're really saying buy it plain and add a teaspoon of sugar at home as opposed to because you know 12 grams of sugar in a serving size of cereal is actually about oh three teaspoons of sugar correct and that would be like tons tons exactly (laughs) right so number one is that now that shift from white sugar um to adding like stevia has a very different taste i don't eat a lot of sugar but i have to say personally stevia is not my go-to sweetener you know so um and you're saying use applesauce how do you uh determine how much you use let's say you have a a cookie recipe that your child loves and you want to do that, but you want to do it with less sugar. But you're saying, would you add applesauce? Like, how do you determine, okay, it says one half cup sugar. How much applesauce would you add to that? Or what does that change the cookie or would you? Sure. Of course. Yeah, it does. And that's, you know, that's a really good question. And so what I say to, to parents is in the beginning, let's say it calls for a cup of white sugar. And in the, in my book, I have, you know, substitutes and how much is needed in a recipe. So for example, if it calls for a cup of white sugar, could you replace it, start to replace it with half a cup of maple syrup or honey? So really reduce it by half in the beginning. And it's quite interesting. It depends, of course, the type. Is it a cookie? Is it a muffin? Is it, are you taking out any other foods? Are you still keeping in the, the moisture, whether it's, it's milk or a liquid? Is there still an egg in there? I mean, certainly when I do consults with people and they have so many allergies, they're taking out a lot of things. But the sugar content, I find it doesn't make a huge difference if you cut it in half and even more if if everything else is staying the same that's that's a great tip you know i have a child who loves chocolate loves sugar and loves fat combined you know if i if i make banana bread she's like digging into the organic chocolate chips and throwing them in the banana bread and (laughs) you know that's a hard thing to substitute you know let's just do applesauce cookies or even oatmeal raisin doesn't do it for her so How how and and that salt sugar fat is a very potent combination, and we know it's addictive, and but we also know that it can be quite yummy. So, do you have a recipe that would satisfy that kind of craving? I do, and you know it's interesting whether it's as you said your banana bread, and if you're still keeping the same sugar content, might you try those? cacao nibs because that gives it a bit of a crunch but that's pure raw 
chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not the organic chip it's that really the second ingredient is cane sugar. So could you put in that and then adjust the sugar a little bit in your banana bread? You I mean, maybe you could try that and just see. Right. But I have some recipes, you know, a chocolate pudding and it's made with either avocado or coconut milk and maybe you're using dates as your sweetener and the, the either the coconut milk or the avocado or the bananas whichever you're putting in there makes it still really smooth and creamy and sweet and then you use pure cocoa mm. so or you can use cacao which of course now we hear all the time oh you know it's a superfood it's you know because um, of the antioxidants in it right right so I find that a lot of moms that have made a sort of a chocolate pudding with avocado with dates the kids they get the sweet they get the chocolate and then we've put in you know the coconut milk or the avocado so they're getting the healthy fat so it keeps them feeling fuller, longer, so they're not getting that high, and then the crash, so, or smoothies, I mean, a lot of afternoons, I too love, and I'll make a smoothie with a banana, some coconut milk, some pure cocoa in there, mm. you know, and again, I'm getting the, at least, sure, I'm getting a little bit of the sweet there with the banana and the cocoa, I'm getting my chocolate fix, and you know, maybe an almond milk or a coconut milk, at least you're getting some fat, some protein in there with the sugar. And I think that's a key too, is that if, as you slowly transition in the beginning, maybe at least we can have a protein or a healthy fat with our sugar so that it doesn't go up and down as, as quickly, you know, and, and then they want another one right away. Right. So that fat seems to actually ground uh, uh, ground you a little bit. A little bit, exactly. Or can your kids, if they're okay with nuts, I know we can't do them at school, but at home, can we make, you know, I make these little chocolate, I call them chocolate energy bar, balls. And, you know, it, it's a healthy nut butter with pure cocoa and then whatever sweetener. And again, it just depends. Is it is it okay to just put some dried fruit in there? Is that going to be sweet enough for your kids? Or do you have to put a little bit of maple syrup in there too to begin with and then slowly you know, reduce it. And and with the nut butter, again, they're going to come home from school, they're going to munch on those, and they're going to feel fuller longer as opposed to some really sugary thing. And five minutes later, they want it again. Mm -hmm. So um, I hear you have a little dog in the background there. Yes. <laughs> free today. Lucky me. So food, food intolerances and food sensitivities, these are things that you write about a lot in your book because your book is pretty gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, et cetera. How, there's a big difference between a food intolerance, food sensitivity, and a food allergy. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Sure, exactly. Um, so yeah, so a, a, an allergy refers uh, to a response in your immune system. So it's an uh, immunological process. Um, whereas um, a food intolerance refers to a reaction that doesn't involve the immune system. So it's, it's caused by a problem in the way the body processes the food or food additive. A lot of people have intolerances to food additives. Um, you know, food sensitivity, food intolerance, they seem to be interchangeable and I think they're sort of working on, okay, which is, you know, do we call it a hypersensitivity or do we call it an intolerance? But certainly an allergy 
involves your immune system. And Me meaning yes. you can get hives, you can get swelling, you can sneeze, your nose can run, your eyes can itch. Um, you can be anaphylactic. Exactly. Anaphylactic. Life-threatening, right. Life-threatening. Those are the, the allergies that people have when their throat swells up and they can't breathe. Right. And those are, those are life-threatening for sure. And the big ones on that are peanuts, shrimp, strawberries. Are there any others that are kind of standing yeah, up? Yeah, any shellfish. Yeah, shellfish. exactly. Shellfish, okay. Yes. Where food intolerances and sensitivities show up more in a kind of insidious, low-level way, right? Fatigue, joint pain, what else would we say Depression, there? Depression, insomnia, ear aches, post-nasal drip, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, indigestion. Uh, indigestion, headaches, migraines, right, hives, muscle aches. And so those times a lot of people go with those problems and the problem is attacked. Say, oh, you have a headache, so let's give you this medication. You have a indigestion, let's give you this medication. Where actually there's a way to start to eliminate those foods from your diet and see if those symptoms indeed diminish. Right. And I remember having a lady that had eczema all the time and, you know, she would always go to her dermatologist and it was always creams, creams, you know, everything. And I just said to her, you know, why don't you eliminate wheat and dairy and just see? And, you know, she was up for it. Why not? She said, and, you know, within a month or two, she said, wow, my eczema is gone. I would have never thought it was because of a food because so many people, they eat a food and if they react right away, like, as you say, you know, you eat a strawberry and you get hives, you go, oh, okay, you know, I must have an intolerance or something to, to, to strawberries. Right. But some 95% of intolerances or hypersensitivities are delayed can be delayed a day or two. So, you know, you eat something and you get a headache or a stuffed nose the next day. How do you put that together that it's a food? So, you know, it's important to keep a food diary, a journal, because I don't know about you, I don't remember every single thing I ate yesterday or the day before, let alone if you have busy kids. And so a lot of times I say to my moms, you know, can you keep Again, especially with chi children and hyper, you know, when they get sensitive and hypersensitive and hyperactive, again, they, the mom will say, well, they didn't have anything today. Why, why are they acting up today? And it was yesterday that they had the, mm, the food additives and the coloring and the sugar. Right. And so what are the most common foods that you encourage uh, parents to start um, diminishing or avoiding in, in our child's diet? Well, certainly these days, the most I see in my practice, of course, are gluten, um, dairy, sugar, soy, and eggs. Those are, I don't know why, they just seem to be, it's interesting. I don't, I don't get a lot of child children that have, you know, a peanut allergy or, I mean, I know they're out there, but um, I do get a lot of uh, patients coming to me and moms with children that have ADHD or are on the autism spectrum. And, and the physician that uh, sends me people, you know, his first rule of thumb is let's remove gluten, dairy, and sugar. That's number one. Let's try and heal the gut, clean up the gut. Let's see if we can reduce the hyperness and some of the issues that they have. So that's always the first thing. And, but I do, I find that soy is very, uh, in there as well, as well as, as eggs. Okay. So terror is striking the mother who hears <laughs> this because that's what kids eat. So yeah. 
now we want to get to the next point of what do you start adding in? What can substitute those things for, you know, a child, for a family, for a person out there listening? Exactly. And, and, you know, that's where first I say to mom, okay, first I want you to go through your pantry. I really want you to restock your pantry. I want you to get rid of the problem foods, the issue foods, because if they're there, the kids are going to eat them. You know, they come home from school and they're starving or, you know, if it's there, they're just, they're not going to be mature enough to go, okay, you know, I can't have this. And I, I really ask the family, can we do this as a joint family, at least when we're in the home, because there's nothing worse than one child looking at his sibling and they can have something and he can't, you know, sometimes that's really difficult. And I, I try and stress this is, you know, it's a healthy way to eat. Why not? Um, so can we restock the pantry, as you say, with healthy foods? And if nuts are okay, seeds are okay, you know, even foods like hemp seed and chia that we can start to put into our muffins, uh, lots of veggies and fruits. I mean, if they're around, slowly their taste buds will start to change. Nut butters, you know, seed butters, those type of things, you know, maybe uh, rice cakes uh, instead of, you know, the, the prepackaged cookies and they can put whatever they can put on the low sugar jam instead of having a, a prepackaged cookie that's just so full of, of sugar. Um, you know, again, we talked about the healthy cereals, the, the coconut milks, the almond milks, Things like that. And if there's a day a week that mom has time or anybody has time, can you make some healthy muffins that are maybe frozen individually so that on those really rushed days, you know, you can pull out your, like, you know, maybe you do with your daughter, you know, some banana bread that's a bit of a treat or something like that, that you've got it on hand for those, you know, those, those really rushed days. And can you get more into making smoothies, whether they're fruit smoothies, whether they're fruit and veggie smoothies mixed, can we hit, can we hide some kids, you can hide the veggies in there. Others, I understand there's just no <laughs> way you can do it. Right. right. <laughs> We're going to have to do the chocolate pudding with the avocado. That's the only way we can hide the avocado, you know, there's right. just, you know, but so, some moms, I say, you know, would you try making kale chips? And they do. And they're so surprised. They're like, my child ate a whole bunch of kale because I made kale chips. And I mean, she said it took no, no time at all. I did it, you know, one night after supper and we had it when we were watching the family movie Friday night. Right. And she said, I was so surprised. Right. So I say, try it. You know, at least try and have an open mind. Try it. You'd be surprised. But I do realize there are some children that it is going to be a bit of a struggle for sure. And that's when it's, can we make really nice banana bread or apple loaf or whatever with some, you know, sweet in there, but slowly trying to, to change over. So we're, we're really saying that this is a, this is really a process and it, it has to start as like as a team effort so that in the home, whatever's in the home is much more health supportive and much more varied than really what people are getting out there in, in mainstream culture. I was just wondering, Shirley, if there, if you could say uh, to a to a mom or a caregiver or dad or family, you know, do this one thing. Just start here. What would that be in in terms of improving and reducing sugar and and other um, high you know high allergenic foods from the diet? I really think it's it's 
getting rid of the pre-packaged sugary treats, whether, you know, it's the store-bought cookies, the the store-bought Lucky Charms cereal, or, you know, um, those type of food items are so high in sugar. And of course, you know, the kids start their day with that. You know, they want the Lucky Charms or the count chocolate Draculas. And I mean, if you take a look at how much sugar is in that, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Shirley Plant is a nutritionist and dietary designer and recognized in the Ottawa area in Canada as a menu planning expert through her company, Delicious Alternatives. Shirley, I know you're doing a 21-day gluten-free, sugar-free challenge. If people want to get in touch with you and learn more or join in with this challenge, uh, where would they go? Best for them to go to my website, deliciousalternatives.com, and they can find out more information there, or they can come and visit my Facebook page, which is Finally Food I Can Eat. I've always got lots of recipes on both, so if people are looking for healthy recipes, come on over, take a look, try them out. Okay, great. And Shirley's book is available on Amazon, Finally Food I Can Eat. You can get that on Amazon.com. Shirley Plant, thank you so much for spending time with us on Halloween and talking about how we can improve our health by cutting back on some of that sugar. Great. Thanks, Ellen. We have talked so much about sugar on this show. And the reason I do it is because it's so prevalent in our lives and it causes so many problems for people and it's so hard to quit the stuff. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the role of being a parent in this ongoing journey of cultivating our children's tastes and cultivating their health and our health. What our role is, our role, whether you're your mother and father, whether you're father raising child, whether you're two moms, two dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, caregivers, whatever, we have this unique role to influence the health of our children. And we really set the stage for the health behaviors. And how can we do that? We do that by putting the best food forward that we can, no matter what it is. We do it by uh, modeling behaviors because children are so smart and they see what we do and how we do things. And we also set limits. And that probably is the toughest one that I think we face because sweet has always been associated with a reward. It's been associated with being good. It's been associated with, I give you a sweet, you're sweet back to me. Even my husband the other day brought home this big cookie to my daughter after at soccer, someone had brought donuts. It's like, ah, we have to set these limits for our kids. So that's really the tricky thing. And I think what Shirley Plant shared with us were some, some strategies for doing that. And we have to do it as a team. We can't just set limits on our children and then you know run into the cupboard and and go snitch some extra sweets for ourselves. It's an it's a chance for us to all together get in the game and try different behaviors. Again, that thing about cleaning out our pantries, just going on a challenge for twenty one days, cutting out the processed foods, cutting out the sugars at home at least. We know that it's really hard to control it in schools. We know it's hard to control it at parties. We know Halloween is today, and it is really hard to control it now. But try we must, because that we actually induce rhythm and induce uh, a, a sense of judgment in our children 
by setting those limits, by saying, okay, one today, or just on the weekends, making a special day for treats, because sweet is, is something that we all love. And we want to just change the stage for it. We want to change the input that goes into our children's bodies to really induce a, a healthier a healthier life for them. And if you can, just get sugar out of your house. Um, bring in more fruit. And, you know, children can regulate their energy in, in a different kind of way. If they need that burst of sweet, you can go for like I said, fruit, dried fruit, nuts, um, homemade little treats that you can find. But make sure you get those healthy breakfasts in and for yourself as well as your child. I know sometimes moms or caregivers are standing around, myself included, as you feed the kids, you know, trying to get everybody out of the house. But really take care of yourself because cultivation of our self-care really passes on to our children. So I wish you the best of luck in um, navigating the Halloween candy bag. And you can always um, invite the Halloween fairy to your house to accept a huge portion of that candy that was in your child's bag and give them another kind of treat under their pillow, like, you know, just some little book or toy they might like, or even a couple of bucks as an exchange for that Halloween. Halloween candy that might just not do them the best of good. That's all for now on Health Currents Radio. <laughs>